on for eight to 10 hours. The next day, I literally feel like I got hit by a bus and I need to not speak to anyone for the next 48 hours. So it is, it is exhausting, especially if you have the personality of an introvert where being on and being happy and being excited and, and it being, you know, coming from a genuine place is hard. Welcome to the Way Up North podcast. This is where we get to know the speakers presenting at Europe's wedding photography conference, Way Up North. We're not interested in which apertures they use or what they carry in their camera bags. Instead, we aim to get to know them a little bit better as people. My name is Jacob, and in a few moments you'll hear my colleague Cole interviewing Tonya Kay. So, Tonya Kay, uh, what do you guys know about Tonya? Well, it's pretty obvious that she's a woman of many talents, as you can see in her online presence. We'll hear all about that, uh, her blogging skills, and about how she wants to leave everything behind and move to Southeast Asia in Cole's talk with her from a few weeks back. So I'm, I'm afraid to, to pronounce your name because I think I'm going to say it wrong. Let's see. How do it's you say it? How do I say it? How do you say it? Uh, the wrong way. No, it's probably right. It just looks complicated. Well, okay, it's Tanya, right? Yeah. But you have kind of two last names going on. Is that true? Or because I see no. sometimes see like Tanya Kai, or is that your middle name? So Tanya K is like my business. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. Um, but K is the first part of a middle name that's two names. But I don't go by the second half because I sound like a hick. And so, well, what is it? What's the full name then? Tanya K. Ann Wysong. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So, my last name is Wysong, if you wanted to know how to pronounce that. So, what nationality is that? Um, well, my last name is actually German, but when people know and find out that I'm actually Japanese, um, they think, yeah, they think that that's part of it, but it's not. Okay. So, you're German and Japanese. German, Japanese, Italian, and Irish. Oh, wow. Very, <laughs> a bit of a mix. Yeah, just a little bit. But, but well, people see well, me and there's no way you're Japanese. Well, like, I don't know. Okay, let's say you're going traveling. And like when, when Canadians travel, like what Canadians always kind of answer when people say, where are you from? Within Canada, like you're Canadian, but then you're always something else. It's just sort of part of the Canadian identity to be, you know, right. something else. Yeah. Uh, I guess we're all immigrants. Do you feel that way when you travel, for example, like when you meet somebody because you travel a lot? So do you say, yeah, I'm American, but I'm also do 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 do. Do you identify with any other cultures like that? Um, I mean, if we if it's like an in-depth conversation with someone, usually people ask like, which is kind of interesting, more being on the East Coast, people ask like, you have something like a mix, like what is it? So they don't really know, but they know it's not all white <laughs> so but then usually when I tell them they're like oh yeah I would have never guessed Japanese and then I show them family pictures and they're like what is happening this looks crazy because my sister has black hair dark eyes um, my dad looks almost like full Japanese my mom is blonde hair blue eyes and then we I have a older brother who's adopted from Korea so wow. we're just like a weird hodgepodge <laughs> well i guess like this is just an audio conversation not video so, but if people have never seen what you look like before like i'm not trying to racially profile you here but you don't really look japanese oh yeah not at all wow that's so interesting do you speak it like you speak japanese not really i mean <clears throat> i have a really close family friend who i grew up with is japanese and so i just know like a few things through <clears throat> growing up with her and my grandma, obviously, she would talk sometimes, but not okay. much. Yeah. Interesting. Well, okay. So you're presenting in Rome. Like, we've already started, by the way. That was the intro, I guess. We'll just, oh, we'll go with that right. as the intro. But oh. you're presenting in Rome, and Jakob and I, um, we, we sort of, like, kind of choose who's presenting. We're pretty lucky in that sense. And when we start the process of doing that, we usually kind of get a feel from the photography community, 
um, who they think is someone they'd like to see present. And your name was like pretty consistent um, when we put that out there, which is great. But Jakob and I were like, okay, well, who is she? And and kind of no, in our sort of like our our next like our next step in trying to find great people to present is when we get names of people we're not familiar with, we usually give them like one minute. And, and what I mean is we'll go on the web website or Instagram or something like that. And we'll give it like one minute. And if we are like really bored, that's that. Or if we're like super interesting, then, or, you know, if we're interested, we'll go for it. And with yeah. you, it was like, well, she, she has to present because you were like instantly interesting and, and kind of magnetic with your online, like everything you do. So my question is like, is, do you find yourself as an interesting person and do you do you consciously play to that strength if you if you do think it is a strength of yours? Hmm. Well, thanks for that by the way because that just confirms that my like branding and everything is, you know, attractive and that sort of thing. Um do I think I'm an interesting person? I mean, yes, I think everyone is interesting. Um I think I'm kind of strange, so <laughs> there's just a lot of things that I like and I'm into so I feel like sometimes I'm all over the board but it's good to know that my online presence kind of looks like I'm put together (laughs) um well you sort you sort of have two two brands going on if I'm understanding it correctly yeah I have kind of a lot going on which keeps me busy but I have obviously the wedding stuff and um, I started the project, uh, my boudoir series called La Femme Fort, and that's been a lot of fun. So that's kind of like where my focus has been changing recently. Um, and then I also just do like a lifestyle travel blog on the side called The Top Knot that I just do for fun because I travel so much. Well, okay. So like to bring those three things back to like the interesting thing, like with your top knot blog, for example, like I've, I've looked at it quite a bit and it's like, it's definitely you, like you're really putting yourself out there in a big way. Like when do you get to the point where you're like comfortable doing something like that and, and how do you like kind of leverage that into your career? Well, I think from the beginning, like when I started photography and I just had this tiny little crappy looking WordPress blog, I just wanted to make it a point from the beginning to, my gosh, I like really have a frog in my throat today. And you're sweating. <laughs> I'm just a hot mess. <laughs> well, this is a good uh, good preview to what everyone's going to see <laughs> in Rome. <laughs> Me losing my shit on stage. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. So from the beginning, I just, I really wanted to make it a point to be as personable as I could and still maintain like, a, you know, my personal life and keep that private but really give people something to gravitate toward that made them relatable to me. Because I think that's why my business has been able to be successful across doing all these different genres of photography because people still gravitate toward having something that's relatable to me and my life and, you know, it not being something specific to photography, but even if it's just like me sharing, you know, the clothes I'm into and just stuff like that. So I don't know. Does that kind of answer your question a little bit? Yeah, sure. So when you like, when you meet somebody uh, at a coffee shop or, or whatever, and they ask you what you do, like, how do you answer that? Because I, you do a lot of stuff. It seems like to me, like you, you, to me, you feel like a real entrepreneur. Thank you. Um, yeah. I kind of just tell them that I do photography and um, most of the time people think, Oh, you're just a hobbyist. <laughs> um, so when I get into it and talk about it more, I, you know, I do say I do weddings and I do a little bit of commercial and, um, you know, I travel a ton and I do a lot of like personal photography with that. So there's just a lot of things. And I think once you explain that to people, they're like, oh, okay, you actually do this for a living. Are you able to kind of like narrow it down to like, this is where my, my, single passion is if I could stop everything else and only continue doing one thing what do you think you would be I tell my friends and family this all the time and they're like halfway scared that I'm gonna do it (laughs) um but I just I always feel like I could just sell everything I own tomorrow all of it except for like one camera and just move to somewhere in Southeast Asia and be totally happy just not wow yeah I could do that tomorrow that'd be great (laughs) 
So where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in a really, really small podunk town in Washington. It's about like three hours um, east of Seattle. So kind of around Spokane? or Not that far. Okay. Um, so it's like in the lower Yakima Valley. It's a little town called Grandview. <laughs> um, yeah, I grew up on a farm and really small school. Super small town. So kind of a redneck town? Um, no, I wouldn't say redneck. Uh, it was, there's, I think when I was there, there's probably about like nine, 9,000 people and 80% of it being Hispanic or Latino. Oh, really? Yeah. So oh, that's really interesting. Like one of the only white girls in school. It was great. I loved it. But you're the Japanese girl inside. (laughs) My soul is totally Japanese. So I don't know, like I'm sort of familiar with Washington state a little bit because I'm from Vancouver. Um, was it like, in your mind, was there sort of a set path to kind of like, okay, I'll go to university somewhere and then live in Seattle? Is that sort of the normal path of people growing up in Washington State? Um, I'm going to move to Seattle eventually. No, I mean, I can't really speak for all of Washington State because it's so huge. But for where I grew up, it was definitely not the norm to leave that town. So like a ton of people who I still, that I graduated with are still living in Grandview, which is totally fine. But I think that's just the mentality of growing up in a small town like that. Um, I don't feel like we were really pushed to reach much further. I just happened to come from a family where that was expected. And um, so my sister went to university and I ended up going to the same college that she did. I don't know how I got into this school, but I got into like a private school called Gonzaga University. And that's that's in Spokane. Um, and I was there for not even half of a year and I dropped out. (laughs) Oh, really? What were you studying? Um, I was just going into business and I was going to focus in marketing, just something super boring. (laughs) I studied marketing. It wasn't that Uh, bad. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're still doing cool things. So it worked out for you. Well, uh, I don't want to like press your age, but I read it on your site recently that you're around 28 years old, right? Yeah. I turned 28 next month. Um, you put it publicly out there, so I don't feel bad bringing it up. So if you dropped out of school or, or, you know, Gonzaga, like that wasn't that long ago. That was how, how many years ago was that then? I was still 18. So 10 oh. years ago. <laughs> okay. So how did you fill the gap then? What happened next? What was I doing for the last 10 years? What are, what, um, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> doing? Um, so I dropped out of university, which was not, um, my parents weren't too happy about that, but they, I mean, they've always been supportive. They've always known that I just make these crazy decisions and they just kind of shake their head and know that, okay, whatever you want to do. Um, so I dropped out there and I actually transferred to the art Institute in Seattle for their photography program, which is a total joke. Sorry, art Institute. But why is, why is it a joke? It's just, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to be in debt for like the rest of my life just from going there. And I, I'm grateful for the opportunity. I just think that I look at what I'm doing now and I think I could have done it on my own, like without school. Well, to draw a parallel, I probably, if someone would have told me at the beginning of my marketing education, marketing is getting attention. No, now just go do it. Then I probably, you know, could have skipped six years. Maybe you draw a parallel with photography. Like if you just do it, you know, nobody needs to teach you that. So why did you I'm going all over the place a bit here, but, but why did you quit the marketing program, but not the photography program? Well, I knew I wanted to do photography. I knew I wanted to do photography when I was in high school. Um, but the arts and just doing, you know, a career that's creative like that wasn't realistic. You were just always going to be a poor starving artist. So that was my plan was to like, okay, I can get this four year degree and then I can go do photography because I'll have a fallback. Um, and so when I went to the Art Institute, I was like, I'm just going to do it and go for it. It's like a two-year program. You know, it's it's fine. It's two years. I'm 18. Like, what else am I going to be doing? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I, yeah. So I did that. And then um, our last semester, you we were required to get an internship with any photographer. Um, and at that school, like, being a wedding photographer was the butt of the joke. It's like what you did if you didn't make make it doing what you actually wanted to do. And so I swore off weddings. I was never going to do them. I had no desire. I originally just got into school because I was so into fashion photography. Um, But the only internship I could find was with a wedding photographer. 
So really, yeah. Well, at I, that at that time, were you kind of agreeing with the reputation of weddings, and were like, that's not a path for me. And you don't need to like prop up weddings just because you're going to a wedding photography conference. Like part of the reason why we we wanted you to present is because I think there's a lot of layers to your talents, and you're not you don't need to bang the wedding drum too hard. So did you kind of agree with it when you? heard it was the butt of you know oh, or the yeah. bottom of the totem pole absolutely i mean i was like nope not doing weddings that's stupid i don't want to do it <laughs> i'll never do it don't let me do it um so when i got that internship i um i was so bummed but i had to ha you know i had to do it but i was like dang it everyone else got such cool internships with photographers doing like you know product photography just anything i was like no why this um, but it ended up being a total blessing in disguise. Uh, she hired me right out of school and I had a job doing like all of her back end. So she would basically shoot, drop off her cards and we did everything from there. So her editing, her archiving, everything. So I was able to learn how to run a business before I even knew that I wanted to run my own. And what so, was, what was the lesson that you learned? That's like the number one thing that stuck with you from then that you kind of like carry with you now, would you say? Because it sounds like you were with somebody with a lot of experience. Yes and no. She was um, she was a little bit older. And so she her style was nothing that I would ever want for myself. But it was more just like how to run a business from start to finish. Um, nothing to do with the actual like photographs. So everything on the back end, just how to be organized, how to, you know, really communicate with clients in a timely manner and just all those things that people don't think about when they think, oh, you're a photographer, you just go out and shoot pretty photos. It's all the like nitty gritty that we do all throughout the week that no one thinks about. Um, those are the things that I got to learn at such a young age before I even started my own business. Um, and I ended up, you know, she had to lay me off. And so what happened was I was able to get unemployment. And so I lived off unemployment for like a year. And in that time I started my business. <laughs> savvy <laughs> yeah so it just kind of worked out um I was you know it just worked out the way it was supposed to so once unemployment was done I was making money and just started. okay yeah. so do you think I don't know like do you think weddings are kind of giving you the cushion so you can do other things that you're super passionate about yeah I mean I think at this point you know it's been six years since I started my business and um I think it's just really easy to get burned out by doing weddings. I love them when I'm in them, but when I step back, I there's just so many other things that I'm so passionate about that I want to give, you know, life to to see where that goes. Um, so yeah, I think right now, you know, I love my weddings and I've created a brand um, that allows me to get the type of clients that I really, really love and I'm stoked on them. Like they're just doing really cool shit. And, um, you know, it's not like a, oh God, no, it's not, you know, it's never a bad match. Like I just won't take those because to me, it's not, it's not worth it to go through, you know, it's like a year long relationship with these people from the time they email you to the time you're delivering like their album. It's like a year long thing. So, so when you, like when you kicked off, uh, the process of your business, I guess that was six years ago, you said. Mm -hmm. Like when we, we as in Jakob and I, when we started our photography business, we, we like knew what our strength was right away. And it wasn't the photography. It was like getting mm -hmm. attention and, and marketing. And so we played to our strength and then, you know, the weaknesses, we kind of like improved on those things. So from the get go, what do you think your strengths were? Um, I definitely wouldn't say it was like the actual photography aspect. I think I was decent, but, um, looking back now, I'm like, Oh God, those are so embarrassing. Um, but I think my strength is a little bit what I told you is just really creating a space that, um, people could relate to. I blogged a lot. I blogged about personal stuff. I mean, things that didn't really have to do anything with photography, but I somehow all tied it in. Um, and I think just creating a space where people could relate to and they wanted to follow along. I think that that's kind of kept me going and also been able, you know, allowed me to, reach out into these other areas without it seeming like, whoa, this is coming out of left field. Now you're shooting boudoir, like you were doing weddings. Okay. And now you're shooting all this personal fashion work. Like it doesn't seem that odd because the people who are still like following and supporting, I feel like they've been there from the get. 
and so it's not it doesn't feel strange to them which is great because I feel like I can do anything and it won't be you know it won't I, there won't be like a lag time you know yeah yeah that makes, makes sense. sense yeah so it's I don't know like I could never really, I'm never really, my personality is not one that I could really put myself out, out there with. Like I struggle with fucking Snapchat. I hate it. I hate putting hey, myself and even these podcasts, it's you know, it's a struggle, but I don't know. You seem pretty comfortable with selling yourself as part of the package. That That's what it seems like. Do you look at it that way? Mm-hmm. No, but that's good to know. I, I really struggle with the whole selling yourself part. Um, to me, it just feels kind of yucky. I don't know. It's just, it is uncomfortable. I will say that I have been successful in sharing, you know, the bits and pieces that, you know, help people to relate to me, but I am still very, very private. Like my friends are just sometimes blown away by how private I am and um, the things that they don't even know that are going on. So I do, I, I love my privacy. I love keeping certain things to myself. Um, but you know, you, you kind of pick and choose what feels right to share. I just, I never want it to come off in a way. Social media is tough. Like that's a whole nother thing. It's just, you want to be honest in a way that people can relate to you. But you also, I also have to remember that I have a bunch of people who are potential clients or past clients who follow me as well. So always keeping those things in mind too. Um, it's it's a tough balance, but I think I've just gotten to this point where I really don't give a shit, <laughs> which could be a bad thing, but it's working in my favor. I just, I don't really think through the things that I post anymore. If I want to post it, I'm going to post it. If I'm going to write something that some people are going to be offended by, it's it's fine. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's an amazing place to be, but tough to earn your way there, I suppose. Yeah, I think I'm just, you know, this whole, um, you know, way up north and just this year, like January was such a huge transition month for me business-wise and personally, um, that it's just the timing of all this could not be more interesting, I guess, for me, because I'm just really trying to figure out what this year looks like. And I picked that up on your blog, actually, that it's like, there's a lot of things going on, um, in your life. And even on, on Snapchat, you said recently, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say it, but you said you're going to a job interview, I think. Yeah. You're are, you allowed. Allowed, are you allowed? <laughs> like, what, what was that for? Um, well, I won't say what it's specific or who it's specific. Yeah, that's fine. But um, it's just an opportunity that I, that would launch me into a very different uh, field of photography. One that I think is closer to where I wanted to be in the beginning. Um, but taking it would definitely change a lot about my life and a lot about the what I had planned for the second half of this year. Um, I had plans to like leave the country for the second half of the year. So it's a lot could change and um, we'll see. Well, I'm thinking about if anybody listens to these podcasts, like I'm just assuming it's people who attend the event. And I think I have a pretty good idea of like that demographic of, you know, wedding photographers basically. And mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people in wedding photography think that they're that's it. They got to make it work. And, you know, anything less than just making it work as a wedding photographer is a bit of a failure. And it seems to me like you're making it work, but, you know, you're okay branching out into other things. Did you ever feel pigeonholed to just do wedding photography and make that work? Or have you always been kind of like open minded to, you know, put that aside and do other things? Um, I think because I was so resistant in the beginning to even do them, like the first time I got asked to do a wedding, which by the way, I got paid with a $100 gift card to Olive Garden. Nice. The so, unlimited bread. <laughs> exactly. Bread and salad. <laughs> I was like, I need that more. Um, so just know you can come, you can come a long way from the beginning. But I think I was so resistant to it in the beginning that I always had this you know, side dream of wanting to be in, you know, doing fashion and, you know, moving to New York and doing this stuff. So that's always been a dream. So I think now that I am actually here, I've moved here, I've done it and I've been here a year. It's, it's time for me to start exploring those avenues. I, I don't want to take for granted the business, you know, the business that I've built for weddings, but part of me 
knows that I can come back to it and I can go in full force and get it back up and running if I wanted to. And so I just feel like, and maybe that's speaking too confidently. I don't know, but no, that's great. Yeah. I think my hustle game is strong. And, um, if I wanted to get back into it, I could. And so I just feel like with where I'm at in my life, you know, personally, and being like, oh, my God, I'm approaching 30. I, what am I doing? Uh, <laughs> I know, I know, it sounds crazy. But you you just, you have those moments in life where you step back and you really just, you're, what am I doing? What am I, what's my contribution to this world? What do I, you know, you just, you, all these questions go through my brain every night. My brain is like a crazy place to be in. But, um, you know, I think it's just time to explore those different avenues. That's interesting. Uh, like, Okay, do you feel like you're you're that way now because you're getting close to 30 or have you kind of always been kind of that way as you described there? I think my personality type is I am always, I want to be content, but my, I don't know, my brain and my heart just really struggle with that. I'm always like looking for the next thing. I'm always like, okay, I've done that. Let's start, what can I do next? Where can I go? Where can I move? You know, anything happens and I'm like, all right, it's ready for a change. So I'm always just kind of on the go and my brain is in a thousand places at once, um, which could not be good for a lot of businesses. If you're you know, dabbling in too much, you're not really honing in on one thing, right? And I feel like most of the people I hear talk, um, photographers or whatever it may be, they say, you know, get really good at one thing and do that one thing and don't try to dabble in all these different things of photography. And I always struggled with that because I love so many different things. I love traveling. I love doing that. I love working with my models. I love looking, you know, working with my boudoir girl, girls. I love my wedding clients. There's just so many different things that I'm like, I love these. So why not? I'm going to do all of them. <laughs> I love it. That's great. It, yeah, Cause you're right. It, it, it's said many times, um, all over that you should just do one thing and, and that's yeah. that, but it's refreshing to hear that you're not content like that. <laughs> Yeah, I just can't. If I was only doing weddings, I would I would be a crazy person. Well, how you, how you just described all that, I, I kind of can relate to it quite a bit. Uh, and what I mean by that is like my wife is always on me, like, like, enjoy the moment. Like it's even at way up north last year in Stockholm, I was already thinking about the next year and I, w- I wasn't really savoring any moments. It's just not my personality to do that. Um, but do you have any examples of when you <laughs> were able to kind of like savor a moment of success and then... I don't know. Do you kind of try and repeat that ever? Because it seems to me you're aware that being content is not one of your strongest suits. Yeah. I mean, I would say I'm, I'm really content in my heart with where I'm at. I, um, I do feel like I am a in the moment type of person. Um, I'm not too future thinking all the time, but it's more like I just get restless. I think that's a better word to describe it. I just get a little bit restless and I, I want new challenges all the time. But as far as like successful moments, I mean, there's just things I think that are, there's small moments throughout the day that I just, I really step back and I'm so thankful for, you know, the life that I get to live. I think it's really easy to take it for granted, but you know, today I slept in and I didn't feel nice. bad about it, <laughs> you know, and it's just little things like that. Um, you know, the way that me and Andrea, you know, the last four years, we've taken the month of November off to travel the world like that has just been such a huge, like, oh my God, you made it. You can do these things. You can, you can set a month aside and do what you love. Um, those are the, those are the moments I think I feel like, all right, I'm doing something good. So you brought up Andrea there. I was going to not bring her up this conversation, but it's out there now. But you two are good friends, obviously. Do you two mentor one another like on a on a level level playing field or do you are one of you kind of further ahead or with the business life? Like what's your kind of working relationship like? Because I know that you two are great friends and obviously the friendship and the professional life are connected in some way. Totally. Well, I met Andrea at a photography party, so it was always kind of that, you know, intersection that brought us together. Um, I mean, we all know Andrea's killing it, so there's, you know, there's no question about that. I think for us now with now with where we're at, it's 
it's so much of just a, a support and a love for one another and just knowing that we're going after these things and we're giving each other ideas and you know really pushing each other and it's been really great because we actually you know we love a lot of the same things and in the beginning that was a struggle for what for us you know there was little times where it felt like we were kind of doing the same thing and because everyone knew that we were you know attached to the hip um, you know it was hard to for me personally to you know remove myself from that and so we did you know to be honest like we did have a couple like struggles and we worked it out and um i mean that was years ago in the very beginning but we now it's to the point where it's just it's awesome i'm so excited to see how her business is growing and all the like workshops she's putting on it's it's awesome well back to you like <laughs> i guess like i brought her up but it could have been anyone i, I guess what i was curious about is like you're a, a solo entrepreneur more or less like have you ever felt the need for any type of mentorship or have you always kind of like blaze your own trail I guess you could say I would say I'm more along the lines of just kind of doing my own thing um I think when you start your business probably I mean most people feel this way at the beginning it's just you're just searching for like what do I do you're searching for some type of direction but it turns into almost a very unhealthy thing where you're just comparing yourself and you're you know, you're putting yourself down. Oh, my work will never be that good. All this kind of stuff. And so a year in, I just had to shut that off. I stopped looking at blogs. I stopped. Yeah. I had to completely like cold turkey it. I just had to, because it was just so bad for me, even though I was doing great things and my business was succeeding. I, it was like an internal thing for me where I was just constantly down on myself. So I had to unplug completely from that world and that's when blogs were actually like really cool and <laughs> relevant when I started now it's not so much but um yeah I think removing myself from that world really helped me to just find my voice and just do my own thing and just go for it and not really care so are you still that way would you say like you kind of block out I don't know yeah the online world and just do your own thing yeah definitely um there, I mean, there's a few people who are just my closest friends where I will go to Instagram. I never go through the feed. I never scroll on my Instagram feed. I used to literally scroll until I got to the bottom. I'm like, this is such a waste of life. Oh uh, <laughs> and so now it's like, I'll check in, you know, maybe once a week with people who are my friends just to see what they're up to. Um, but as far as knowing people in the industry and reaching out to people, I just don't. I'm such a hermit crab. So, okay, well, you're a hermit crab, but you live in the Big Apple. Like, you moved to New York. That, that's a pretty huge move. Like, what motivated that to happen, and how was that for you to do? Like, it's a pretty challenging thing to do, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you've developed your business in one city, and then you decide to move to the furthest possible city <laughs> across the country, it's a scary thing. But um, for me, I think everything just aligned perfectly. I wanted the move to not be forced and I wanted everything to just fall into place. And it did. It was so perfect. Um, and I've always wanted to live in New York. That was just, it was just pulling the trigger that was, that needed to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't know anyone when I moved here. I just packed up. I had like two suitcases, put all my stuff in storage in Seattle, which it's still sitting in storage. Um, found some roommates on Craigslist and I just moved. So really, yeah. <laughs> wow. That's been good. That's bold. That takes kind of like a pretty confident personality to do that. Do you consider yourself like a confident person in general? Yes and no. I mean, I think when I say it out loud, I'm like, oh, wow, that is a bold move. That good job, Tanya. <laughs> you like, you did it, girl. But, um, you know, in the, in the moment, it didn't feel that way. It just felt like, okay, like, I'm just moving. And I think in my mind then, I was like, oh, I'll be back maybe in like a year or two. And now that I'm here, it's just don't tell my family they're going to hate this. I just feel like I'm probably going to be here for a good minute or so. Um, I love it here. And everything about it feels so natural to me. Wow, that that's that's really interesting. Because my impression of, of New York is like you love it or you hate it. And it sounds like you love it. But mm -hmm. to, to sustain uh, a career as an entrepreneur there, there needs to be like, either an insane amount of talent to fall back on which you have talent but i don't know if it's like 
otherworldly. Like, so what I mean is like you have a certain level of hustle and entrepreneurial kind of vigor in you to keep, keep it going. So what is it like in New York, like the competitive environment there to make it? Because it sounds like you're making it. Yeah. I mean, I think with the, you know, I moved here January 5th of 2015. And so at that time I already had my year booked out of weddings, you know, from the year prior. Um, so last year I had all of my summer weddings still in Seattle. So there was a ton of back and forth last year. So it didn't actually feel like I was grounded here yet. There was a ton of travel. I just was hardly ever home. And so now with this year moving forward, I've just, you know, I've been as much as I want to go back to Seattle to see people, I've been trying to really be strict on myself with only booking East Coast stuff so that I'm here and I'm grounded and I'm making moves. So 2015, it's hard to gauge because I still had all my work on the West Coast. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but... So, yeah. like, okay, we asked you to present at the event uh, because, like, as we said earlier, you, your reputation is amazing and, and growing, I would say. So as it grows for photographers, oftentimes you consider doing workshops or, you know, being a mentor for other photographers and things like that. I'm not too sure if you actually do those types of things, but if you did and somebody came to you, what do you think your your greatest contribution would, would be to their learnings whether it's artistic or marketing or whatever what do you think your your main contribution might be um well i this will be my first workshop so this is nice a, really a good one to start with like oh no big deal your first time talking in front of people just go to rome no big deal. <laughs> it'll be fine yeah, oh, hopefully it <laughs> should be interesting no i'm i'm so thankful um and like I told you guys, I was like, when you first emailed me, I was like, is this a practical joke? What is happening? <laughs> um, but as far as mentoring, I've done like maybe a handful of small, you know, mentor sessions one-on-one -on -one with people. And I didn't think I was going to love it, but I really did. I loved, um, I just love the one-on-one -on -one and the closeness of it and really talking to them on a real level. Like, hey, these are the, like, these are the ugly things about doing this. And I think there's so I think we just ignore that part of running a business so much um, that people don't realize like this isn't just about taking photos. It's literally almost like 10% of your business is actually being out in the field taking photos. The other percent is all these different things that you need to think about and you need to perfect. And so I think that's the part that I was able to really um, give helpful information is just, you know, this is from start to finish from the time they inquire with you to the very end, these are the steps that you need to be taking so that they are your walking advertisements. They're going to tell all their, their friends. It's just going to spread like that. And um, so that's, I guess that's kind of what I feel I can help with. Yeah. That, well, that makes total sense. Have you always thought that way? Like, have you, like, have you always kind of been a brand focused person or entrepreneur person? That's a bad word. Like entrepreneur. Have you always been kind of a brand first entrepreneur, would you say? Yeah, I think, I mean, entrepreneurs run real deep in our family like we're we're hustlers so we I like started my first business when I was like eight years old so I think it's always been in me to just be like hustling in that way and being really smart about business choices um, and being really good with my money and so I think that was kind of ingra ingrained in me like from a really young age interesting well I come from a an entrepreneurial family as well and it's like they had a lot of businesses in my in my small town, but it was pretty clear that customer service was like mm -hmm. primary, like you need to nail it no matter what you're doing as an entrepreneur. So that was like the lesson that I inherited. Do you think you can draw on one lesson that, that you learned? Yeah, I would say the same. Um, my sister, she, you know, her background was in business and marketing. And so she just has like such an insane business mind. So having her guidance along the way has been, huge for me she's just so good at that personal like that little personal touch that you know just makes it so unique to that to those clients um but yeah it's all i mean it, it's completely 100 percent about just making every single one of your clients feel so important and i think from the beginning doing that has got my business to where it's at for sure do you, have you always been able to do that in a sincere way Yes and no. I mean, if I'm being honest, there's time, you know, you go through ruts and you, you're just not feeling it. That's the truth. You just, you know, it's hard to 
for me anyway, being an introvert, it's really hard to be on all the time. And so I think that's why, you know, after a wedding day, being on for eight to 10 hours, the next day I literally feel like I got hit by a bus and I need to not speak to anyone for the next like 48 hours. Um, so it is, it is exhausting, especially if you have the personality of an introvert where being on and being happy and being excited and, and it being, you know, coming from a genuine place is hard. So you, you say you're, that you're an introvert. How do I phrase this? Like you really, it, to me, you put yourself out there in a big way on the line. How do, how can you do that as an, as an introvert? I guess I don't feel like I'm a, I think it's all about perspective. For me, I don't feel like I'm a big voice online. Well, well, just to like play devil's advocate with you, if I, if I may, like your, your blog, the top knot blog, for, for example, like yeah. you put a lot of like personal, it seems to me like you put a lot of personal content in there and you you know you these are not just like tweets 140 characters like you do pretty big posts that are pretty personal as an introvert are you almost like writing a diary or like how 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 can you be able to do that that type of sharing with the world yeah i mean i would definitely view the top knot and why i created it as was purely for myself um I knew that some people would follow who are just, you know, friends or they like that different aspect of my life, the travel, the, you know, hair and the outfits and just, you know, the random stuff that don't have anything to do with my wedding business. And the thing is, is that back in the day, if you go way, way back in my blog um, on my photography site, I used to write like that. And I used to, you know, be really deep and write these posts that are very personal Um, And I think once I did the rebrand and I really wanted to separate weddings from everything that I was doing, I removed that. So now I don't, I don't reveal as much on that blog because that's my business. And I just, I, I think you can do both successfully, but I think the level of personal I wanted to get had to be removed from my business site. Yeah. And so it's like the people who wanted to, to know more, it, they have to make that effort to to search out the top knot. You know what I mean? So I don't feel like there, there's not as many people. Well, it's really interesting. The, the blog posts that get the most hits are just comical to me, but, um, but yeah, it's that personal. It's like whenever I write a personal blog post, people are just into it and it's really odd because I'm writing it for myself. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it just comes right back to our human nature of wanting to be, you know, to relate to somebody, to have that human connection with someone. Tribes. Yep. So they say. So they say. <laughs> so you travel a lot, um, but when you're not traveling and you're not, you know, staring at a computer like most of us do um, when you're self-employed and you're not doing photography, like, like, what do you do? Like, what, what fills your days if you have any minutes left? Oh, man. If I have any minutes left. Um any downtime, I'm honestly just trying to be with my family. They're like, I'm a, if you follow me on anything, I'm obsessed with my family. I'm absolutely obsessed. And being across the country is so difficult for me. And now um, that you've made the decision to never move home, <laughs> it must be. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Don't say it. Um, yeah. But I think here in New York, if, if I have any minutes to myself, I'm, I'm parked right there on that bed, <laughs> like drinking tea, reading a book just hanging out by myself okay well I guess I can like kind of wheel that into another question somehow like like what is the hustle for you like what does that actually entail um I mean the hustle for me is just unfortunately it's a lot of online work it's a lot of you know reaching out to people and making connections um continuing you know la femme which is a lot of work and you know the the boudoir yeah, that's project? the yeah, it's project. Like Did you a, call it a project? I'd say it's a series. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, planning that, like, you know, yesterday we just announced our next stop's going to be in San Francisco. So, Well, why don't you describe what that is? Because I'm actually not too familiar with it myself. Okay. So La Femme Plort, it's, um, it's a boudoir series. So basically, um, I choose a city where I find there's most interest, and I partner with one girl who's kind of, you know, a go-getter in that, um, that same field of 
empowering women, encouraging them, who just has an overall very positive light on social media that attracts women who just want to better themselves and be confident and love themselves. And I'm really, really, really passionate about that. Like just making women feel empowered and that they are valued and they're loved and they're worth, you know, they're worth everything. And so creating this project has been amazing. Not only has it been amazing for the girls who have been involved, but I think for me personally, it's really been like a huge growth personally, if that makes sense. So maybe, I, maybe I'm just like totally clueless, but like you, so you reach out to somebody who you admire. Is that right? So mm -hmm. it could be in wherever, Portland or whatever. So you reach yeah. out to them and then you try to put together like a day of boudoir with that person or with a group of people and that person or like what exactly does that look like? So that person basically works as the host for that city. Okay. So because I'm not like super well known all over the U.S., it's they're helping raise awareness to get girls to come in. So we're working as a team. They're kind of putting it out on their social media to, you know, attract girls to come in. And yeah, it's a it's a weekend. We do a full day. Um, you know, we rent a really cool Airbnb. The girls come in. They can hang out for as long as they want. Just like food, drinks. We have makeup, hair. Like it's just a full day of being pampered. And each girl gets their session with me. Um, we do a you know a nice long lunch break where we just get to talk about like our stories. And it's just such a like safe, cool place. It's well, it's just been amazing. So okay. How do I phrase this? <laughs> okay. Are, would you say that you're a feminist? Yes. Like, okay. I, I kind of gathered that, but like, are you proactive with working, you know, alongside other female entrepreneurs exclusively or? No, no, no. I'm not like, I only can work with women. No, not at all. I just, I, my heart and my passion right now, personally for me in my life is with women and making them feel amazing. It's just something that really drives me and motivates me. Are you, are you kind of like vocal about that uh, as much as possible with all your online stuff, would you say? Like intentionally vocal about it? Um, I think when I'm referring to the project, yeah. Okay. So. so what's the best case scenario with this project? Are you hoping that it grows into something more? Yeah, I mean, I think that's always the plan for, you know, when you start something, I'd, I'd love for it to continue. Um, I'd love to hit as many cities in the U.S. as I can. And, um, you know, there's little ideas that I have. Well, why not Rome? I know, I would love to do Rome. If we can, you know, get a shout out to all the people in Rome and we could do a La Femme Day, I'd be down for that. I had one girl recommend that and I was like, do you live there? Let's do this. Hmm. <laughs> that's great. Well, I didn't. I never know where these conversations are going to go. But now that we're talking about this issue with like women, I guess you could say, um, how do I phrase this? It seems to me like within the photography world, there's not a lot of uh, gender balance. I guess you could say mm -hmm. um, within a lot of these large events, like way up north and other events. Do you acknowledge that, or even like? look into that at all or does it, is it just like water off a duck's back you don't really care about that I don't really care about anything I've been seeing a lot of that arguing and stuff online about it and um I think you guys obviously responded in the same exact way I would respond it's not you're not looking at that like okay let's make sure we have this many girls and this many men it's like who's like who's killing it right now who is gonna be teaching people stuff who is making moves changing the industry like those are the people that we want if they happen to be all dudes, like, oh, sorry, like, don't get all upset about it. I don't know. <laughs> I just think people will find anything that they can be upset about. And I don't know. I just kind of roll my eyes and move along. I can't. I don't have time. <laughs> I feel dirty even bringing that up. What it's the fuck? Fine. What's my problem? Anyways. <laughs> okay. So to move away from all this, like, like of all the projects you have on the go right now, the job, the mystery job interview and the boudoir series or project it's a series mm -hmm. and all the other things that you have on the go like do you look maybe two or three or five years ahead and and are you building towards something bigger with any of these specific things or are you just kind of going with the flow a little bit with with where things are going um i should be a better planner in that way i think right now it's just trying to figure out this year um i think this year will shape 
a lot of what's going to ha be happening in the next two to five years. So it's exciting. It's also really scary. Um, but yeah, I think where my heart is right now, it's just, um, it doesn't, <laughs> how do I say this? I might not just be in this country, if that makes sense. So a lot of where my, where my heart is and the future plans that I have um, take place abroad. Exciting. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a good place to leave things, I guess. That sounds good. Well, I knew nothing about you, you know, well, to a point, but I knew very, very little about you before we started, and I feel like I know a lot more now. So thank you very much for being so open. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, we'll see you in a couple of months in Rome when you're puking on the stage. Don't miss it. How exciting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Adios. See ya. That's Tonya Kay, wedding photographer and presenter at Way Up North in Rome, April 2016. If you're interested in more details about Tonya or about Way Up North, head over to our website wayupnorth.co. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook under at Way Up North and on Twitter and Snapchat under at Way Up North event. Thanks for listening and talk soon. is Acast Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows and this is one we think you're going to love. Hi folks, this is Rick Wilson from The Daily Beast's The New Abnormal. And I'm Molly Chongfast, a left-wing pundit and editor-at-large at The Daily Beast. I'm also an editor-at-large at The Daily Beast, a former Republican political strategist, best-selling author, and full-time troublemaker. Every Tuesday and Friday, we have fun, sharp conversations with people like Mary Trump, who revealed why her uncle is the worst president we've ever had. Or Ben Stiller on how the world of comedy is changing thanks to our political landscape. Tune in to The New Abnormal to hear us have fun conversations about a world gone mad. Acast is home to the biggest podcast from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.